Welcome to the PDL's official podcast, hosted by me, the commissioner and the owner of the Delco Dreamers, Tommy Yu, and I'm Darren from the Carolina Thunder. It's time to sit back, relax, and get ready for us to get off topic as possible. Guys, welcome to another episode of the PD episode. And this one is special because we have another special guest host, but not who you're thinking. You might be thinking, all right, here's Greg again from the Australian Oaks, but nay, nay, we have McFatty from the Hollywood Hustle. You like how I did that, McFatty? I said I the, like, like the, the Ohio State yep. University, right? You deserve yep. that. You are like the Ca- Dallas Cowboys of this uh, league. We are always okay. talking about <laughs> you. Yeah, so, yeah, I can't um, win championships. I guess that I guess that matches. <laughs> hey, no matter what, I mean, Jerry's doing something right because no matter what, we're always talking about him. So I feel like Hollywood, no matter what, we're always talking about you. And we have a trade that you have also done, and we're playing each other this upcoming week. So I feel like um, I don't know. The universe is throwing us so many storylines. But before we get started, Bri, how have you been? Uh, I'm great, Tommy. It's it's always nice to get on here and pod with you uh, for the. Members of the league that don't know, Tommy and I actually were co-hosts of an NFL podcast for a very long time. That's actually how Tommy and I got to know each other in the first place. So just and shout out to Jeff. That's how I got to know Jeff. That's right. So uh, the the opportunity at at any point to get to to do a podcast with you, especially for the PDL, uh, I'm stoked. I did mention to you before we actually started recording that the reason I'm able to do it time wise is I am feeling a little under the weather. Uh, so Oof. if my energy runs low, lower than maybe you guys are used to, uh, that's why I'm going to put the the disclaimer out there. No worries. That's why I'm here, right? I'm always bouncing off the walls being chaotic, but just happy that you're here. But before we kind of jump in. It's to... my Michael Jordan flu game, though. I'm I'm, I'm going to play to the end. <laughs> yeah, you're going to rise to the occasion and top me, which is not going to take a lot. Setting a really low bar for you there. But before we jump into this past week, in the t- we had so many close games and it was a great week of football in general. But we had a trade happen in the PDL and you were involved. You went out and got Cade Otten from the California earthquakes and Michael got two third round picks. And I know after this happened, you kind of came into defense saying, Hey, I know I overpaid and things like that, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I don't really see it. I, I, I didn't really see it as an overpay, but um, Brian, I would love to get your thoughts on uh, how this culminated and things like that, because I feel like uh, Michael made it pretty open, not just Kate Otten, but I know he's kind of, um, you know, trying to audition a lot of his players right now, right? Fire sale, everybody but uh, (laughs) CJ Stroud, yeah. Right, everyone must go. But yeah, I would love to get your perspective of uh, this trade kind of happening. Well, I did overpay. It may not be a gross overpay, but I did overpay. I don't think Kate Otten at this stage in his career is worth two-thirds. But, uh, you know, we made the trade. I've got George Kittle. He's my tight end one, but I don't have a whole lot behind him. I traded actually also with Michael for Irv Smith. Uh, I've got, I think, um, Taysom Hill on my, I'm just looking for tight end pieces because Kittle hasn't been producing, but also he, he's injury prone. That that's just kind of the par for the course with the Kittle experience. So I'm just looking for some insurance. I'm really high on Jelani Woods. I think actually Greg mentioned that on the podcast last week, but Jelani Woods is on IR. Uh, and even if he comes back, he might need some ramping up. So it's really just a case of, I had a bunch of extra thirds. I traded a Max's third. So that's basically almost a fourth for 2024 and a 2026 third of which I also had two of those. So neither one of them cost me my entire third for those years. I figure I'm happy to throw it to a guy who's in his second year is already the start, starting tight end and just came off a game where he had like seven targets from Baker Mayfield. Uh, it's a shot. It's still a depth piece. I don't expect him to start from me. Uh, but to me, if you look at a keep trade cut, yes, I overpaid, but 
personally, I'm fine with this price. Hey, I love that. And it's no secret that Hollywood always has a lot of picks. And I know you just use some to get a player that, um, you know, to get that very well needed tight end depth that you just illustrated. But it would not surprise me. Give it another month or two or heck, even fast forward a full season. I wouldn't be surprised if you replenish your stock and have tons more. So that's kind of why when I saw this, I said, hey, to me, it's just, you know, you just getting what you need. And I feel like maybe... I'm not the, not the right co-host to talk about this because I'm just like you and you're just like me, I guess. We're very aggressive with our draft picks and we just go get the players that we want. Whereas Darren, on the other hand, would probably say different. So maybe just my point of view when I first saw it, because I've been so busy, maybe I didn't comment as much. But I was like, oh, yeah, no, uh, I, don't, I don't think that was bad. And when everyone's kind of talking in the chats, um, I think everyone's more reacting to that crazy um, trading that Welch was talking about in his other league yeah. that uh, Stephen uh, Mike was getting into. So yeah, well, when I looked at, it, I was like, oh, that's nothing too crazy. But man, are you listeners in for a treat? Because uh, Brian and I are going to be obviously going over the full episode, and I think it's just hitting me now how much fun it's going to be having Brian on here. <laughs> but we're gonna jump in. Let's go right into week two. And um, I know I messaged this over to you beforehand, and I said uh, when I had Greg on here originally, this segment was supposed to be just one word, right? I think um, pardon the interruption does that. They usually have like a segment, and they ha- say like, "All right, one mm-hmm. word, describe." Blah blah blah. So I was gonna try to steal that segment, but we're just so wordy that I was like, "All right, we'll just do one takeaway." And then of course, when we premiered this segment last week. It wasn't really one takeaway. We just did everything. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go back and do the one takeaway. So I'm going to try to debut it again. Brian, I know you're a super professional and you're going to be able to just go off the cuff. I'll keep us on track. Yeah, all my years (laughs) of podcast hosting. I know you're going to be able to reel me in, which is uh, fun because I usually have to reel Darren in. But let's just jump in. Speaking of Darren, the first game we're going to jump into is the Carolina Thunder taking on the Austrian Oaks. Darren came out with a victory, which wasn't a surprise to anyone because we are currently talking uh, about Greg as the walking bye week, but he was not the lowest scoring team this week. And we'll get into that a little bit later when yeah, we approach that's a crazy, that game. Spoiler alert, that was crazy. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to talk to you about it. But yeah, for this game, I'm going to cover Darren in one takeaway. You know, a victory is a victory. And Darren did bounce back and had one of the higher scoring uh, teams again, because last week I believe he was the second highest scoring team. So, you know, I'm not going to keep patting him on the back. I'm going to go to the negative. One takeaway, Deshaun Watson, you know... Brian, I actually would love to get your thoughts on Deshaun Watson because I feel like I haven't Happily. really I haven't really heard many players, not just quarterbacks, but just players in general get as many excuses made for him than Deshaun Watson from the stands that I come across. But Brian, what are your thoughts on him? I feel like I don't have a good insight or haven't heard from you specifically on this topic too much. Well, that's probably because you were in baby mode for the summer because there was a whole blow up in the chat over the summer about Deshaun Watson and why I am so against him. Uh, it had to do with him, uh, you know, his off the field uh, shenanigans. That's a, that's a very kind way to put it. Um, and I was trying to be unbiased, but even beyond that, I just, what I, what I saw on the field last year, six games, uh, one of the worst PFF graded quarterbacks in the NFL. This wasn't a guy, I, personal bias aside, this wasn't a guy who, was shaking the rust off. You don't shake the rust off over a third of a season as a, a guy <laughs> that used to be a top five quarterback. That that just doesn't happen, but everybody's making excuses for him, not just in the PDL, but across the, the fantasy landscape. And I'm just like, guys, did, were you not watching these games? 
you know, and he played in the preseason. He had a full preseason. He had a full training camp. It's just he couldn't play in the games. It's not like he didn't have time to learn Stefanski's offense. It's not like he didn't have time to shake that rust off. He just, for whatever reason, and I'm not going to pretend to know the reason, he did not look like the same guy. You come to this season, he's maybe not as bad, but it's not a big tick up. He's His inaccuracy is one of the biggest things that stands out to me. He is missing passes badly not just slightly badly over and over again it actually cost him up they had what four turnovers against the Steelers last night on Monday Night Football so it's the first game it didn't cost them as much their defense played great they they, they beat up on the Bengals and so it kind of papered over it but last night those turnovers both fumbles and interceptions really came to haunt them and the interceptions are bad and and some of the throws the fourth down throw he missed the guy by like seven yards so the processing seems slow. The accuracy seems off. So you're talking about it's a mechanics thing. It's a mental thing. It's everything. Like I said, I'm not going to posit any theories as, as to why. All I know is what my eyes see, and it's Deshaun Watson is not the same quarterback, and I'm convinced that he won't ever be again. I completely agree with you. Um, I used to be one of the biggest Deshaun Watson fans, and even taking a peek into last year and even up to this year, you hit the nail on the head. It's his accuracy that's really stepping, like really jumping out to me. But not just that. It's not when he's inaccurate, he's really inaccurate. It's also his decision making. Yep. So mm-hmm. when you kind of compound inaccuracy and then bad decision making, it's just a recipe for disaster. And that's, that's I called feel... Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the crazy part is a lot of people are like, well, he was an elite quarterback before. So I don't see why he can't get back there again. If you look back at the scouting report of Deshaun Watson coming out of Clemson, and I'm not saying I am an expert scout at all, but I was a big Deshaun Watson fan because I loved Clemson because Brian Dawkins went there. So, you know, being an Eagles fan, when Clemson had their time, my dad went to Clemson. I follow Clemson very closely. Perfect. You're the perfect guy to have on here. Uh, Look, real brief scouting report in front of me smooth, efficient, deliverable ball, really good anticipation good rhythm passer, can throw into cover three and two very well, displays a complete inventory of passes. All makes sense, right? And delivers in big moments. Perfect. Biggest concerns, though, limited instincts, especially in the pocket, does not react smoothly when initial read is not there and lacks consistent pocket poise and drops eyes for running lane instead of creating within the pocket. Well, the last thing that I mentioned, not so much anymore as he's gotten older, but this is what I'm trying to say. It's not like he was an elite processor before and then it disappeared and now he's trying to make his way back. This has been a concern for him in the past. So for people who may not have watched him very closely in Houston, which I don't blame you. Why would you really watch Houston? But I was a big DeAndre Hopkins fan, as everyone here knows. So I was watching those games very closely as well. I don't know when someone like Brian who, you know, has some close ties to Clemson and watch Clemson football closely and myself who watch Clemson football and Houston football closely because of the players that I liked and both of us are out. It's crazy that people are like, no, we're just super in. Of course, it's not all written off the uh, Brian. How much trouble are the Browns in if Deshaun Watson just kind of just continues to shit the bed? Well, first of all, I want to I want to say there's. There's one thing that can maybe not erase slow processing and decision-making, but it can kind of be a band-aid for it, and that's uh, scheme, coaching, play calling. And if you think about what he had in Houston with Bill O'Brien, who say what you will about him, but he is a good offensive play caller. He's a good quarterback's type of offensive coordinator, and 
I think that the way he let Deshaun play in the offense that he had around him in Houston allowed him to look a lot better and kind of paper over those decisiveness, those decision-making mm-hmm. issues that you mentioned, Tommy. Uh, Stefanski has not had that effect on now Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson for whatever reason. It's great, great at the run game, but the Stefanski offense just doesn't seem, maybe they ask him to do a lot. It wouldn't surprise me if Stefanski is the type of coach that just has a lot that a quarterback has to, to do, whether it's uh, pre-snap adjustments, going through progressions, reading a defense that are not Deshaun Watson's strong suits. Uh, so that being said, whatever the reason may be, we're both in agreement that that he's just not good. Here's the thing. The rest of their team is is super talented. We can talk about Nick Chubb. That's a, that is a gigantic drop. Yes, I drove him forward, looked good for one run, but that is a huge drop. Uh, their defense is is fantastic. Uh, I really like what Jim Schwartz has done with that defense in the first two weeks. But in this insane AFC, and the AFC North is, is, is especially tough, it is going to be really hard to stay competitive without the right quarterback. And now your all-pro running back is out for the year as well. Uh, I think the Browns are in serious trouble. Yeah, where I thought you were going to actually head with that was saying how to mask all these kind of deficiencies is a good run game. And obviously, unfortunately, what happened next up, we're going to cover that a little bit more when we get to that uh, person's team, of course. But yeah, I completely agree with you. And isn't it funny where I said, we'll just do one takeaway to save time. And we just had excellent insight and just going along already. But who cares? This is a big big thing, though. When Watson Watson is a big thing, because this is a the, the largest guaranteed contract for any player in NFL history. And it is he's a complete dud. So this is something that it, it I think takes a little extra time to to digest and what it means for uh, the NFL, the quarterback landscape, the Browns, and fantasy football. So speaking of fantasy football, let's put a little bow on it and tie it back to the PDL before we do your one takeaway for Greg. Is what would it mean for Darren's team if Deshaun Watson actually is a dead? Once again, maybe we're uh, closing the curtains a little too early because he still has a full season ahead of him, but right now it still has not looked good, and maybe he'll just be a middling quarterback, but Darren does have a decent amount of depth with Baker Mayfield, Matt Stafford, and, you know, Anthony Richardson, that r- a great rookie, but, you know, the past two games so far has not proven that he could stay on the field, unfortunately. So he definitely has a depth to do it, but the grand scope of things Darren has to have in my opinion a championship mindset especially with the window that he's seeing and so with Deshaun Watson kind of struggling out of the gate and if he continues to do so uh, what are your thoughts on his quarterback situation well first of all I want to say that to me Anthony Richardson has looked like the best rookie quarterback from you know health health withstanding um, he has actually looked really good I, I was confident in this Steichen offense and it's already showing he just that's another example if Deshaun Watson had been in Shane Steichen's offense when he came back, you know, for the Browns or whatever, after his his suspension, th- things might look different. He's just coaching. I wouldn't even be guys. having this conversation. Exactly, it matters so much. But you mentioned the the health is an issue. He's now been banged up in both of his first games, first two games uh, as an NFL starter, and I don't think that's going away. I think that's his playing style. So w- with regards to Darren, if we if we think that Deshaun Watson is a mid quarterback, look, he's not. He's a starter. Watson is good enough to be a starter, but we're talking about like a top 20 to 25 starter, right? We're not talking about a top 10, which is what the Browns paid him to be. And then you've got Anthony Richardson, who's got all the ceiling in the world, but uh, might not be healthy to stay on. Then you go down there, you got Matt Stafford, which, and this is more a long-term game, uh, could be okay, a solid starter this year, but there were talk about him retiring you know, like a year ago. And then Baker Mayfield, how long can he really keep this up? Right, they played two bad defenses in the Vikings and the Bears, and it has made Mayfield look good. I don't think he's going to be putting up 
uh, 20 plus points a game for the rest of the season. So this could end up being an Achilles heel for Darren, both this year and in the future. I think his biggest hope, because I don't think Watson's going to turn on. I think his biggest hope is that they find a way to protect Richardson because Richardson does seem like the real deal if he can stay healthy. Yeah, definitely will be a positional group to keep an eye on for the Carolina Thunder as the season continues to progress. But let's shift our focus to his opponent, the floating bye week to Austrian Oaks and Greg Bry. What would you say is uh, one takeaway that you have for him? So my takeaway is, look, we know that Greg is still realistically probably still at least two years away from competing. But the one thing he wants to do now that he's had, what, two drafts in the PDL is he's got to start seeing some of these picks that he's acquired hit. And so far, he looks like he might have found someone in Jaden Reed. Uh, and not just the two touchdowns, actually three, because he scored a touchdown in, in week one, is I saw some stats about like his his target per when he's, because he, he wasn't out there a lot, but when he was out there, he seems to get targeted. That's a great sign. One of the uh, things about Jaden Reed coming out of Michigan State was that he, he gets open, right? He's a great playmaker, looked great in the senior bowl. And that can be a, a very good thing, especially for a young quarterback like Love is a guy who's going to get open and then make plays once they do have the ball in their hands. And so far, Jaden Reed looks like that. So Greg has to be happy at least through two games that this guy he picked up, I think in the third round is when he got Reed. That's the kind of hit. Those are the kind of hits that Greg needs in order to compete in 2025, let's say. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel like he has to be smiling because when you're at um kind of his part of the fantasy dynasty journey, you're kind of just looking at the flyers that you've taken a chance on to, and seeing them develop has to be a great sign. So let's jump over to the next game. Oh man, it was a doozy. It was the closest game. And I know Brett made a strong push to make it the game of the week. And it definitely should have, especially with how close it got. It's Dubrovnik Dragons versus my own Delco Dreamers. And my I'm going to, of course, cover Brett's team. And his, my one takeaway is, man, with these quarterbacks that I know Darren dreads, gives them a really, really high floor. I mean, don't look now. Because, of course, it's not sustainable, but Kirk Cousins is the quarterback one in our league and number three overall fantasy score overall, just in the dynasty. And then Jared Goff, who is his uh, second quarterback, is the 11th overall quarterback. So two QB1s that are slotted with Dubrovnik. And back then, we thought that Travis Kelsey was the one that's covering a lot of, you know, the little... I guess scars the the unwanted startable guys on this roster, but maybe it was his quarterbacks all along because they offer such a high floor. You know exactly what you're going to get, and you could have huge, huge games as both of them did this week. Uh, so much so that they almost overcame the fact that he started Dalvin Cook, who didn't just drop zero; he dropped negative point three. Ouch. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say here is it was so close enough that these two quarterbacks were able to do it. So I feel like, hey, I know Dubrovnik, Brett said it in the chats. He, I think he's second right now in total points for and 0-2 to show for it. But don't worry, Brett. Brighter things are ahead, especially if both of your quarterbacks give you that floor. And you have some solid contributors across the board. That could be pretty explosive as we have seen. But yeah. For one takeaway, it's definitely the fact that these two quarterbacks are kind of the face of this franchise, and I'm sure Brett is pretty happy with what they're able to do, but right now the record doesn't really reflect that. I'm going to pose a question here. My take on I know we're each giving yours, and I'll give my take on you, but just on that same thing, the fact that 
Dubrovnik has scored so well, but his 0-2 is kind of the opposite of what Brett has been in the PDO in the past. He's not, the magic's not there, right? That, that Brett. Oh, wow, okay. He's my, he's my disrespected uh, pod mate. You know, I have nothing but, but love for, for Brett and I'm always a fan of Dubrovnik, but I don't think my team's any type of juggernaut. We all know that I'm kind of like in this in-between phase, uh, but his team put up the big week when they went up against you, not against me, right? So he, his team doesn't quite perform week one, gets a, gets a short loss, does perform, but they happen to go up against the juggernaut that is uh, Delco Dreamers. So I'm I'm starting to wonder if if his luck is kind of in the other angle because I completely agree with you that that quarterback combo gives an amazing floor. But what if that Brett Magic, that that Purdue uh, essence of Dubrovnik is, is what if the fairy dust is, is run out? Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. It might be drying up because you're absolutely correct that Dubrovnik kind of goes on these like Cinderella-like runs where I'm not saying they don't deserve to win, but they're kind of like the underdogs. And like you mentioned just perfectly and eloquently, he always has this little fairy dust magic that he kind of goes for. And these past two weeks, you would have expected, you know, something a little more to nudge it. And I thought that was going to happen this week. I was watching. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going up against Brett again. And, of course, something crazy is going to happen. And when it came down to Jamal Williams and Sanders, I was convinced. I was like, oh, this is the game where Jamal Williams just falls into the end zone three times. And then when he went out with a hamstring injury, I kind of sat there thinking, it, why Why am I getting lucky? What, what in the world is happening? So, Brian, that is an excellent point. So maybe my one takeaway is – Maybe the magic is gone, but we're going to have to keep an eye on it because that's always been something that kind of surrounded Brett's team on his way to some victory. So uh, that that's a great, great point. Uh, yeah, I'll get to a uh, takeaway quickly. Obviously, we, we've we all penciled you in for the most part as, as the favorite to win it all. Your team didn't show up week one, still eked out a win, did show up week two. But if I have to do a takeaway, it's something to monitor. I know we've mentioned your quarterback depth before, so I'm not really going to get into that. Your your QB3 situation is Jimmy Garoppolo. But what I am going to mention is your your flex situation. So that is the thing that concerns me. Josh Jacobs has been awful uh, through the first two weeks. And Miles Sanders, questions about whether he could be a viable uh, starter anyway. So that is less surprising, especially that Carolina offense hasn't been that good. But Josh Jacobs was the rushing leader last year. It, and he finished with, I think it was negative rushing yards in the game against the, the Bills. It's the first time ever in, since the merger of 1970 that uh, the NFL rushing leader has finished with a negative rushing game the following season. Uh, so something to keep in mind on. I know you traded for Jacobs. I know you've had Sanders on here for a while. So, But if there is a weakness here, it's those two flex positions. No, I completely agree with you. Very, very valid. I feel like if you look at all of my offseason moves that I made, Kind of a little bit of a dud. Josh Jacobs hasn't done much. Mark Andrews did help me out a lot this week, but obviously he was out week one. Cooper Cup still not playing. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how Delco comes together because I'm really, what my plan was is just getting stronger and stronger down the stretch because I knew the Alvin Kamara injury was out. But enough about me. Let's jump into the next game, which is going to be covering, of course, Steve and the Denver Bruce taking on Tanish and the Boulder Bears. And for my one takeaway is ooh, the biggest weakness, in my opinion, for Steve's team has always been depth. And I feel like every single team is tested with depth. Of course, in fantasy football, everyone gets injured. But this team has taken, oh gosh, a beating. Because not only, I guess we could talk about now, this is the team that uh, Chubb was on. And everyone was hoping that Chubb was going to have an excellent, excellent year. Because in the offseason, they said how he was going to be 
uh, maybe their primary pass catching back as well. And not just that, Saquon also got banged up as well. So these are two superstars for this team. It's not just like, oh, he hurt his one flex and, and like his wide receiver missed, too. Not that that's a long term, but that's just another hit. Great. Absolutely. Great, great point. So it's fantastic because Steve's team showed up this week and was fantastic despite um, some of his other players even underperforming. But now when you factor in the fact that he might have to go a handful of weeks without Saquon and definitely without Nick Chubb, that that uh, injury was brutal. Uh, of course, we're expecting Aaron Jones to come back. I don't know. This was my dark horse team and it still is because they are 2-0 and they have been performing really, really well. But it's almost like this team is kind of being held up by duct tape now because when you kind of look down the line, especially at running back, yeah, Charbonnet could absolutely be a, a kind of like a start. Uh, and Khalil Herbert can absolutely do so as well. But when you're kind of up against teams uh, like Max's and things like that, it, it gets really tough when you're kind of starting them in uh, maybe even a starting running back role, not even a flex, because that's kind of how you have to start scraping at the bottom of the barrel if you are. Uh, in, indeed, Steve. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to make any moves from here because he did make so many moves in the offseason. Uh, so kind of him sitting down looking at how his season is going. Um, do, do you think Steve makes any moves to kind of address the running back position? Uh, I mean, he kind of has to, right? Uh, the big thing was his is he's, his starters looked amazing, but the depth was the question. Now his depth is put to the test. Uh, if you look at his bench, it's a whole bunch of zeros from players just not playing or from having dealing with injuries. Uh, and, and that's going to be a concern if he actually wants to compete with the likes of, of you and Max. So, and I know he does, right? He's right there at the top. He has a very clear window. He has a better window than the rest of the league short of you and Max. Uh, so if I were him, I would try to make some moves. I don't know necessarily who'd be out there. Um, maybe, I know we always kind of do that at the end, give a trade advice, or you did that for the breaking the teams down, but I mean, you got at least three weeks without Saquon, all year without Chubb, maybe mm -hmm. another week without Aaron Jones. Uh, James Cook has been great, but... Pacheco, not always like a bill Pacheco of health, right? Not, he runs right, violent. Even, right, but also the, that Chiefs running back position. Really, yeah, since the rotation. Kareem Hunt days, it just had there hasn't been like a stud. Everybody thought it would be CEH. Everybody thought it would be Pacheco. People were loving the Daneric Prince uh, training camp takeaways. Maybe there's just not going to be a Chiefs running back that is just the stud that Kareem Hunt used to be for the Andy Reid offense. Yeah, no, absolutely correct. It's going to be interesting because, once again, Steve has to have cha championship aspirations right now and seeing two superstars go down. It's going to be interesting to see if he just kind of sits and kind of holds a ship together and hopefully everything goes back to normal and Saquon comes back and hopefully Aaron Jones stays healthy. But um, definitely going to be keeping an eye on them because Steve, wild card you never know which way he's going to go or i don't at least have a good read on him so it's going to be interesting to see how he does uh moving forward so what about the boulder bears brian uh what is your takeaway on that team uh, another team that has some nice starters and i know that he literally went young in the draft and got some good long-term pieces but he's also suffering from a little bit of injury woes the biggest being the quarterback that he traded from you joe burrow looking like it could affect him multiple weeks or it might even hamper him for the entire season with this calf issue. Even if he plays, he's at least through two weeks, just hasn't been the same. And this wasn't the same as the Bengals last year where they started slow and they're like, oh, they'll figure it out. This is a little different, right? Because mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. way that Burrow's injured, that calf is clearly limiting him to a degree. Uh, that's a concern long-term. But then you look at his wide receivers, Ayuk, 
What an amazing week one. He got banged up on the first drive last week to the point where he probably will miss this Thursday and probably will see a production dip for the next three weeks. He hurt both of his shoulders uh, with AC sprain. So nothing major, but the kind of thing that for a few weeks could dip his production. And then even Amon Ross St. Brown probably won't miss time, but he did suffer what I believe is a turf toe can definitely affect production. And when you have a team like Tanish's that are not necessarily as strong as some of the other teams in the league, you can't really afford those little production dips, even if your player plays. So I think the fact that Burrow is going to be in trouble, uh, Ayuk looking like he won't even play this week and probably have a production dip for a few weeks and Amon Ra kind of dealing with the same, that's going to be tough, uh, over, at least over the next maybe three weeks for Tanish. Yeah, love the takeaways, but I do want to move forward because I do want to spend a little bit of time here because the next breakdown we're going to do is Hollywood Hustle versus... No, we don't have to spend time. We can just skip it. We can just... Let's <laughs> no, give no, it no, no, like no, no, five because seconds. Because my takeaway is going to be something you like. So okay, I'm going to obviously enough. cover you. And my takeaway originally I had, don't look now, but Jordan Love is the QB2. But I have something even better, and it's Galaxy Brain. Because McFaddy here won't say it, but I will, so I get to toot his own horn. He <laughs> Galaxy Brain the whole goddamn league. This motherfucker traded away Jalen Hurts, who's been struggling. And and we both know, and we b- would both agree, he will bounce back at some point. But he has been struggling the first two games. But you got Brock Purdy, who's the undisputed number one Niners quarterback. He saw that clear as day. So I don't know. Maybe it's something over uh, there we should have seen as well. But you're, you know, you're close to the Niners. So you you knew and you used your big galaxy brain and said, all right, let me do something. And God damn, this Bijan Robinson, not the most fun rookie I have seen in a long time. Oh my goodness. He's he almost kind of feels like he still has a limited snap count, but he's the RB six on the whole darn season. Imagine if they didn't have Algier, and, and that's nothing. Take away Algier because you predicted that as well. My goodness, you're just Galaxy winning the league. That's all I wanted to say. That's kind of my takeaway. I know you lost, but you can't feel bad about it, especially because just <clears throat> all I'm gonna say is I don't want to be facing this team because at any given moment they could absolutely explode. I think the only disappointment have to be, uh, once again, just when it comes to some parts of depth, but the players that you called your shots on, I feel like almost all of them are really panning out. So, um, yeah, this is just my attempt to get on your good side to see if I could get a little bit of that Hollywood magic over on Delco's end during this season's run. But don't worry. You don't have to say anything about that, Bryce, so you don't come off as uh, agreeing or disagreeing with what I'm saying, oh, but I'm just no, putting I, it I will myself. because I that Galaxy Brain needs to work for my wide receivers. <laughs> That is, if I'm giving a take for myself, I mean, I know that was everybody's take and they were right about my wide receiver room being the biggest weakness uh, after I traded away cup to you. Um, and I'm relying on on rookies that I handpicked, uh, like Josh Downs, like Tank Dell. Dell had a great week, so I like that going forward. But Zay Jones is the kind of guy that can score two touchdowns for you and win you a playoff game versus Steve and then get zero points in a game versus is, Michael. And isn't he too. one of the most ridiculous, almost caught wide receivers two weeks into the season. Like how many catches does this guy have where it's out of bounds and it's so close, but it's absolutely two, he had two of those in this week where two yeah, of those just where this week had like and last week one one stands out that I already know that he had where I was like, Oh my God, he could have had another one. And this week there's multiple times where I saw another highlight play at watching red zone. It's like, Oh my God, Calvin Ridley is crazy. I'm like, Oh wait, no, hold on a second. That was not Calvin Ridley. That was the, Oh my God, that didn't count, but that was crazy. I don't, you're exactly right. He's so explosive and so good. Yeah. So, but that makes it hard to rely on. Like Zay Jones is not the future of Hollywood, right? I'm trying to 
get these rookies up. Dobbs is promising uh, less of a week this week, but he scored two touchdowns in week one. Need Josh Downs is getting targets. He hasn't really seen the end zone yet. Tank Dell looked great. So those are the, as you call it, galaxy brain that I'm still waiting to hit. Um, to be determined if they hate this year or if it's next year, but uh, I'm, I'm trying. Hey, I absolutely love it. So, hey, let's give a little bit of love for, of course, your opponent this week. I know it all came down to the wire. I believe we were all watching. Or I know I definitely was watching Allen Robinson really close. That's why I love the PDL, right? Like, I know my game was super close, and I was really checking what Miles Sanders and uh, Jamal Williams is doing. But the other game, I was so tuned into what Allen Robinson was doing. I was like, oh, man, is is Brian going to be able to do this? Like, what's going to happen? So I, I love keeping I was fully up convinced I wasn't. Yeah, I, 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 when I knew I had to rely on Allen Robinson, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's when you knew it was over. You looked in the like mirror and you said, not, not this week. I put that in the chat and everybody's like, oh, no, I don't. And I'm like, no, come on. Dude, guys, it's <laughs> Allen Robinson. All right. No, I, I, I legitimately, you know, without Deontay, I was like, maybe that could be the guy. I mean, Pickens look great. But anyway, Michael, uh, what's your takeaway on the uh, California earthquakes? Well, similar to Greg in that with, with California and the Oaks, they need some of their their lottery tickets or, or or people that they've picked to succeed. And the fact that C.J. Stroud had such a good week, uh, I think bodes really well. That's got to make Michael feel – I think even if Michael lost this game, uh, I, I think he would have been happy with the way that Stroud performed. It appears that the win didn't do anything for Michael because he's, he's now trying to trade off everyone except Stroud. <laughs> So it's I mean, a little hey, reminiscent for when Greg won that one time and he's like, I need a fire sale. <laughs> but doesn't Michael not have his first? So like, yeah, dude, yeah, go no, for yeah, it. like you're so right. So I guess he's trying to capitalize on his players while they're hot, which I, I, I totally get. Uh, but I think that's the biggest takeaway is, is he traded a lot to go and get CJ Stroud. He handpicked CJ Stroud for the future of his team. And if Stroud has weeks like this, where he's putting up over 25 points consistently and Hey, uh, they're going to be playing from behind a lot, this Texans team. So from a fantasy perspective, uh, Stroud could have more games like this. So I think that's the biggest takeaway is Stroud played well. Stroud put up numbers. That's got to make Michael feel good regardless of if he beat me or not. I completely, completely agree. I feel like he has to look at the scope and boy, did CJ Stroud look good. And I'm sure he saw that stat and I'm sorry to bring it up because it's like beating a dead horse, but uh, what was it? It was something along the lines of it only took CJ Stroud two games to get over 300. And Justin Fields has still never done that in his career oh, or something geez. like that. I know it's, it's beating that's a an, dead horse. We're not going to go into that right now, but just that's another coaching situation. If you've watched it, it is. Those, and I feel like tape, we're going to, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely spend some time there, but we're approaching the two minute mark and I don't want to cut off these next two uh, matchups short just due to our time restraint so we are gonna go on our first break and uh mcfatty here was able to afford me a little ad break so uh hey. we're actually getting an official one this time so thanks for getting that and uh we'll be back in a sec okay so here's how all the smartest nfl fans that i know start their day they wake up and check out the legit football daily newsletter it's a five minute read with six headlines all facts and no fluff a digestible newsletter sent straight to your inbox every day, year round. And the best part, you can subscribe for free right now at LegitFootball.com. See you there. And we're back. And we're going to jump in right into the next matchup. We're going to look at the Wichita Whirlwind versus the Dallas Drip. And I get to cover good old Jeff. And my one takeaway is... 
Oi, this team is pretty much the bounce back week, and they were explosive a week after T. Higgins and Daniel Jones combined for less than three points. They pretty much uh, did a lot of the heavy lifting, and it was a pretty close contested matchup. But overall, even in a week where Tua Tagovailoa doesn't score a billion points, it's great to have an explosive week from your other quarterback. So this is pretty nice because I feel like anytime someone has a little bit of a dip, you always need someone to kind of compensate, make up for that. And Jeff's, at least this past week, his team showed that it can do it. So it's definitely explosive and definitely something that uh, Jeff is going to want to put together because in the very least, if he wants to compete again for the wild card spot, that's the most points for this team is showing that it could light up the scoreboard. So very excited to see what the Wichita whirlwind are going to be doing moving forward, especially after picking up this dub. Yeah, um, definitely agree. His strength is, I'm sure he's glad he did not trade Keenan Allen (laughs) at this point. I know that he tried all off season to trade Keenan, but Keenan put up a cool 27 points, 111 yards, eight catches, two touchdowns. Uh, running back position, a little bit of a concern. I'm sure that Jeff knows that. Damian Pierce has not had a good start to the season. They've been trailing. There's been a lot of passes. That could affect Pierce long-term. Uh, Joshua Kelly thought he'd be a good uh, addition with Eckler out, but uh, 3.9 fantasy points. But, hey, Jeff got the win. He's got to be happy after that you know, low showing in week one. I think better weeks are ahead for Tua because that's a, a tough decent defense in New England, and I still thought the Dolphins played really well, plus they leaned on the running game. Uh, Jeff's got to be happy with uh, the outcome here. Yeah, I completely agree. So let's shift our focus over to Dallas Drip. What's your takeaway for Welch? Well, a lot of his success is going to ride on Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Brees Hall, right? That That's kind of like his holy trinity. You could probably throw Devontae Smith in there too now because it looks like Devontae Smith might be the wide receiver one in Philly. I know it's only two games, but let's just stick to those three. So when they have bad weeks, like, so goes Welch's team. And I know you guys talked last week and like, oh, he probably wants to lose. But I think there's a part of Welch at this point that eh, he's like kind of still wants to, he's been he's been rebuilding for a few years now. He's ready to win a few games. And the fact that he can put up almost 123 points, even without his studs, this team has some legs. If Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley can put up numbers and the Jets remember that they have Brees Hall on their team and give him the ball more than four times, uh, Welch could make some noise, so he may not want to win, but I think he kind of does a little bit, and I think he's flirting right on that line of he could actually be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. After he traded away some pieces right before the season and even during the season, I thought it kind of made it clear that, oh, he's just trying to shed some points right now, but yeah, his team is still putting up some points, and it's interesting to see. I wouldn't be surprised if he strings together some wins either. That wouldn't be surprised at all, but I really want to jump into the next game. This was the game of the week. It was essentially the Oregon Bowl, right? Whenever you see Max and Mike match up, it takes our attention. And (laughs) it was uh, not very competitive, was it, Bri? Air out of the tires right from the start. Uh, My goodness. I'll go ahead and say you teased it earlier. The guy who we picked to compete with you for the championship at the end of the year and maybe even win it all had the lowest point total this week. Now, uh, we're not fools. We know that that's, that's an anomaly and not the norm. And, and Max actually had the top points in week one. His team is perfectly capable of putting up numbers, but especially cause it's Mike and it's like, you know, they've, they're Oregon boys. They've been friends for a long time. So a fun rivalry, got... right? You want to do right. well in this game. So to get beat by 50 points has got to sting Max a little bit. 
I completely agree with you. And I, I guess I'm taking kind of the easy job. I get to do the takeaway for Mike. And if I'm Mike, yeah, I'm definitely taking a little bit of a victory lap. Getting a win over Murphy Street Empire is no small order. So you have stopped the perfect season, uh, which is great, only because that's how much I always fear Max's team. But Overall, I feel like there has to be a little bit of running back worries, right? I know I want to celebrate Mike, and Mike, this isn't to sh um, put any negativity because your team is just great. I mean, it just beat Max. I mean, you got Puka Nakua, which we don't even need to talk about because that's kind of the talk of the town with every fantasy community right now. But to pair that with Justin Jefferson, along with Josh Allen, who almost like I, we already know how good this and George Pickens just dropping another big game, but. I kind of want to shift the focus a little bit to the running backs because, Brian, I think you would have to agree with me. That is a little sign of a weakness for sure, especially with the back-to-back -back games with Najee Harris seemingly being outplayed by Jalen Warren. Ken Walker obviously looking great, but outside of that, Cam Akers uh, not being a cultural fit for the Rams. What does that even mean? It just sounds like he's super pouty and did, was not happy week one when he was seemingly out-touched by Kyron Williams during important situations. It was kind of almost a backup, even though he started that game. So that probably didn't, pretty much didn't jive well. And then DeAndre Swift just played out of his mind. So Kenneth Gainwell, he will still have a role because we all know how Philadelphia likes to do their running back situation. But I mean, if you have someone like DeAndre Swift who almost just rushed for 200 yards and a touchdown, I mean, why don't you give him a little bit more of a future role? And then I'm trying well, Swift, to go down Swift's going to be the RB1 in Philly now. You don't yeah. have that kind of a performance. Right. And, and the most just rushing say, oh, yards sorry, since Sean McCoy the for Philly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually going to... No, sorry. Go, go, go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it on a slightly different angle. Mike's going to appreciate this. Uh, I'm going to paint a positive what-if scenario for his running back situation. Oh, let's go! Uh, this is actually something I came across on our break. So this was not something that was on my radar. But apparently there are several teams that have called the Rams about trading for Cam Akers. One of them... The Cleveland Browns. What if Cam Akers oh, baby. is the RB1 for that run-heavy Stefanski Cleveland Browns offense? They don't care about character. We already talked about the Deshaun Watson situation. The Browns want to win. They've got this incredible defense, all these playmakers. They've spent a ton of money. Uh, so the Haslams are going to want a title, and why not bring in a guy who, who's talent? And I don't think he's washed. We saw at the end of last season uh, just how talented he can be. I do think he's come back from that Achilles I think Cleveland could make perfect sense. If he lands on the Browns, that could be the remedy for Mike's running back woes. This sounds stupid, but I feel like the Rams have to be incentivized even more because it's also trading them away to the AFC, right? I know sometimes yeah. people are like, oh, you're trading in division. They'll just take what they can get. But I'm sure they wouldn't be too upset to be like, oh, wow, we're not only just shipping away. We're just shipping away to a whole different conference. So I definitely feel like, yeah, I mean, my... I'm pretty interested That's to see how this goes. That's best case scenario for Mike if, if Akers lands on. And I have Akers in one of my Dynasty Leagues too, so I'm hoping I saw Wish, that. Wishing the, for that, right? The four teams, just so everybody knows, that were specifically mentioned are the Bucks, Ravens, Raiders, and Browns as having, and, uh, and other teams as well, but those are the four that were highlighted as far as uh, contacting the Rams about a potential trade. The Browns of all of those just seems like it makes sense. I can see Akers in a Browns jersey. They want to run the ball, especially with the Watson woes we talked about earlier. They're going to want to lean on the run even more. Mm -hmm. Man, that could work out really well for Cam Akers owners. Yeah, completely agree. So, Brian, I'm sorry, but I uh, when I get the control of the show docs, I give you the more difficult part. So what is your takeaway from the Murphy Shirt Empire? You kind of talked about it a little bit. They're the highest scoring team last week, lowest scoring team this week. So it's not like you should really be too worried right now, but it should be a little bit of a worry that this is even 
in the realm of possibility of happening, right? So, yeah, I, I actually, for Max, because he's a contender, I, I kind of want to just briefly go through his whole roster and, and kind of point out places he should worry and places he shouldn't worry. Uh, we'll start right at the top. Justin Fields is a place he should worry. Not because he can't put up fantasy points with his legs, but they're not trying to put up fantasy points with his legs. They've completely abandoned the thing that made Fields exciting and productive Just last year. a handful year. of designated runs so far. Yeah. I completely and, agree. And, and on top of that, one of the ways he had success last year was when he scrambled and just kind of made things play. But his scrambling seems off. His his Everything seems off. It seems like he's actually regressed, Tommy. Right? I don't know if you've seen some of these highlights where like he drops back and apparently he's got a very slow drop back. Right. As I saw a side by side between him and Tua. Tua gets into his five step drop in like 1.2 seconds, whereas Fields took like 2.3, like almost twice as long to get back to that fifth step. Uh, Especially the, in a game the, measured by like milliseconds, dude. That's that's an eternity. It's huge. So you, you've got these weird, I've seen multiple tape highlights of very strange route concepts. So they're not scheming guys open for him. He's got weird progressions. Uh, his offensive line has had some trouble. But also, he's holding the ball too long. He's literally doing every single thing wrong. And then when he does decide <laughs> to scramble, like he's running right into the offensive line. I don't know. So Fields is a big concern. Uh, Mixon, that whole Bengals offense, uh, there's an asterisk on it right now. So, that, like, I'm not feeling great oh, about two. Mixon. Um, Rashad White, much better week two. So you got to hope that if you're Max, that that keeps up. But week one, something like left like 40-something rush yards on the table. He had like the worst rush yards ever expected in week one amongst all starting running backs. Rashad White did. Um, Jamar Chase suffering from the same thing as Mixon, maybe even more so if Burrow's out. Uh, just not a hot start to the season. Uh, and without Burrow, his value goes down, even though he's still Jamar Chase. Tyreek is solid. You know, 12 points, that's mainly because he faced the Patriots. He still got in the end zone, but Tyreek is going to have some monster. He's going to be the is, wide receiver one this year. Anchor. He's just a cheat code. That's his anchor. Elijah Moore, we talked about the wide. Is, I think he's talented, but the way Deshaun Watson's playing, I'm trying to divest from my Browns pass catchers, <laughs> personally. But he wants, if anybody wants DPJ, I'll sell him for any fourth. Just just make me an offer. Um, Kelsey's Kelsey. I think he'll be fine. He still scored a touchdown. He was clearly rusty uh, as far as, you know, kind of come back from that injury, but I'm not worried about that long term. Uh, Godwin, it looks like Evans is the preferred target, but I still think Godwin, he's got eight targets. He'll be fine. Madison, big concern. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Madison. You'll be happy to hear this. Uh, Madison, you wouldn't be surprised if I think Ty Chandler could end up being a starting running back at some point this season. I was never high on Madison. Um, it was an opportunity thing that I was interested in, but I didn't like his talent. Uh, and then Derek Carr, lots of great weapons, but not a lot to rely. He probably should have started Dak. So Dak is probably going to be fine if I'm looking here uh, instead of Carr. But I was surprised that, by seeing that, right? Oh, well, when I was scrolling down, I saw a car in there, the not Prescott. Yeah, no, I saw the matchup for sure, but still, I know you kind of salivate a little bit seeing Derek Carr versus the Carolina defense. I rightfully so. I'm not saying that's a misplay, but I was still somewhat surprised because I still feel like, you know, Dak is Dak, right? You still you still got to go with him. Yeah, and if you're looking at the rest of this, I mean, Jerome Ford had a great game, but I, I don't, he's no Nick Chubb. And if they do trade for Cam Akers, that's a big hit there. Uh, Eckler out for probably at least a couple more weeks. And when he comes back, he might have a production dip. Uh, but look, he just wants him back in time for the playoffs. So mm -hmm. point being, there's some chinks in the armor here. A His little team vulnerable is right now. Clearly capable of putting up more points than anybody in the league at any given week. But there are, there's not just one or two. There are a, a plethora of question marks on this roster here. It's going to be really interesting to see how Max does going forward. Because once again, 
still think he's a contender, obviously, and he's just going to be able to just bounce back real quick, and we're all going to just be saying, oh, remember that really weird week in week two where Max had the lowest scoring week? Yeah, that was kind of crazy. I feel like it's just something that should be thrown out, but to me, it was still interesting to see that this was, once again, even in the wrong possibility, because if before the season started, and you were to tell me, you know, outside of you know, huge catastrophic injuries. I know he didn't have Eckler this week, but that that was about it, right? Um, then saying that he, oh, and obviously JT, which he uh, obviously stained. Do you think Max would have ever in any week had the lowest scoring week ever? And I'd be like, no, as long as Greg is in the league, that's not going to happen. But uh, it did. But once again, I think this is something that we just throw out. And don't worry, we're going to wash our hands of it because we're about to jump in and look into week three and what better way to kick off this segment brian than having uh talking about our game right talking about it right at the top and i'm really excited to uh be able to cover it and the way that i have it broken down especially uh in this segment uh we'll just kind of talk about once again just our general thoughts at least in this segment and uh this upcoming week i'm just really excited to be able to uh, chop it up with you because if i'm you the way that I feel like you're navigating this season is not in the same realm of Greg and Michael or anything like that, but you still have to be excited with all the shots that you've taken. Like the Tank Dell, he just looks fantastic anytime he touches the ball. Dubs looking, or, I keep saying Dubs. I meant Dobbs uh, looking fantastic. Dubs works. Oh, I kind of like that. Dubs. Yeah, Dubs, right? He just gets you Dubs. So that's how it works. But I feel like just like I even said, don't look now. But Jordan Love, number two overall quarterback so far in the league up against New Orleans. Let's see how he does here. Uh, but overall, I feel like it's going to be really interesting because you just need to stay healthy. And I absolutely can see a path where you just start making a lot of upsets. Unfortunately here for just to be on the record, I predict myself to win. But man, just with the how the first two weeks went, I just feel like every single game is going to be a slugfest, so I'm always super terrified because, uh, Brian, I don't know about you, but projections mean nothing to me. Um, I always go against I, I wish they didn't show them. I hate the projections. Right? I feel it, it, like, like I make games with you. You're like, yeah. I, I don't care about, like, I, I'm going to start this person because it's blah, blah. Like, I hate it. But anyway, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be um, as... Right now, it's projecting me to win by 66%. Obviously, we can make adjustments in the lineup. I don't think it's going to be um, that far apart especially with how your team has been playing the past couple of weeks so oh man you could definitely put a blemish on the record but on the record i am definitely going to go with myself but bry i would love to know uh your thoughts on this matchup as well nobody's picking me that's fine i'm not picking me uh, uh, this game is not so before the season started uh, i kind of looked at the entire schedule and kind of oh, like i can win that game i can't win that game this is a game the games with you and max i just nope chalk it up loss uh, and that's fine actually I, I came out at eight and six of course that was with me beating michael so now I'm, I'm, my projection is seven and seven hey. uh, but look uh, uh, kind of like greg and michael i i want i want my the guys i picked out to, to do well so the fact that dell showed up last week most targets on the texans seven catches 72 yards and a touchdown like in only week two like that gets me excited Bijan is maybe even better than I could have imagined. He looks phenomenal. I don't know if you saw that run where he, he looked like you were hitting the Madden juke button over and over again, where he like hit the hole, the juke, hit the juke. And like, it was like, wow, that, that looks like a video game player. Um, couldn't be happier with how love is played. Uh, I think Purdy will be great. Uh, commenting on that trade you mentioned with Hertz. I would not have made that trade if Purdy was not part of it. 
that was one of the things I'm like, okay, Purdy can be a top, uh, at least a wide uh, quarterback one or a fringe quarterback one. I'm, I, I can make that trade with all the other assets I'm getting. Uh, Pollard, running back four, you know, may not look sexy, but he's right there doing what he needs to do. It's all about the wide receivers, and my wide receivers are young, so I don't think I'm ready to compete now. I'm hoping I get frisky enough to get into playoffs, but really this is a long-term play. If Dell and Dobbs and, and Josh Downs starts putting up numbers, uh, then I'm going to feel a little bit more comfortable about my wide receiver room uh, going into 2024. But yeah, no, there's no there's no delusion here. I'm, I'm going to lose to you, and, and I'll, I'm all right with that. I just want to see my guys perform. I want to see my young guys in particular perform. I hate this because I'm sure this was your insight. Uh, if you, if I had you last week and you're up against Max, you probably would have said the same. Like, you know, no one's going to pick me. I'm just excited to see how this goes. And then you beat him. Um, and then well, it's it, look, anything can happen at, at any given Sunday. If Dobbs scores another two touchdowns, that means Love's going to have a good game. Bijan and, and Pollard, we can chalk up for a good game. We can go line by line and talk about a scenario where I could win, but it's about what's most likely to happen. And it is not anywhere near likely that I will win this game. Could I win? Sure. But it's very unlikely. Speaking of the guy that lives rent-free in my head, let's talk about the Murphy Shirt Empire. It, he's very well going to have that bounce back. And what better way than to face a floating bye week of Greg and the Austrian Oaks? I feel like there isn't too much to take away here, but I feel like Max at least has the comfort to kind of have like an off week. And I feel like this is terrible to say, but I'm just going to be honest. Anytime I see Greg on my schedule... Uh, at least right now, just because evidently he's trying to lose too. And it's not disrespectful to say it. I'm kind of okay with it because I'm like, oh, okay, now I go watch fantasy and enjoy it. Like right now, if I max, I'd be like, okay, now I could actually watch the Bears game against the Chiefs and really at least try and enjoy and just pray that Justin Fields, you know, starts to make some additional development progressions. I could see what Dak's going to do against a vulnerable a Cardinals defense and see how much he gets to beat him up, so on and so forth, right? And so there's no doubt that he's going to win, but I feel like in his seat right now, especially after the week he's just had, uh, this is like the perfect matchup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but I, I don't think the matchup matters as much to Max as much as how his team performs because he's not thinking short-term, he's thinking long-term. So it doesn't matter if he's facing Greg or if he's facing me or if he's facing Mike, right? He wants his team to perform because his team did not perform this week. They were the worst scoring team in the league. So I think that matters more to Max because I think he knows he's going to be in the playoffs. I mean, I know he's, he likes to be humble, but he knows he's going to be in the playoffs and likely have one of the top two seeds. He wants to make sure that all those question marks we just talked about, uh, are they real or were they just blips? So is, is Joe Mixon, is that Bengals offense? They're playing Monday night. I, if I, if, if I had to predict now, Tommy, I think Burrow does not play Monday night against the Rams. That's my prediction. So how does that affect uh, Chase's uh, value? Godwin, is he going to start getting more targets uh, or is Evans going to dominate that show? Uh, so these are the kind of question marks. Uh, he already took uh, Derek Carr out. He's got uh, Dak at the top and Fields at the bottom. So he at least put Dak back in. That's it. Uh, Elijah Moore, he still has him starting. What does that Browns offense look like? Moore is, it's not a question of Moore. It's a question of Watson. So if I'm, if I'm Max, I just want to see my guys do what they're capable of doing. And I want to have some of those questions answered, uh, especially that Bengals offense. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore with you. It should be really interesting to see how that one shakes up. Not really, because we all expect Max to win, but I completely agree that he's looking more of, um, you know, the big picture, not a week-to-week kind of thing. So, uh, you know, just hoping no one gets hurt here. And speaking of hoping no one gets hurt, that's a perfect segue over to the next matchup, because 
that's kind of all I'm thinking about. And what I'm talking about is the Dallas Strip versus the uh, Denver Bruins and Steve's team. And I feel like I can't help but look at Steve's team and just pray that no one else gets hurt on this team because they've just been getting just brutalized. So if I'm Steve, um, that's who I'm picking to win this game despite all the injuries that he has sustained just because um, the superstars that uh, he has assembled. Uh, but yeah, 100%. If I'm Steve, um, you know, not only am I expecting to win and then continue to go three and zero, which is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I, I'm more watching this game. Just be like, all right, put everyone in bubble wrap, make sure no one gets hurt. And I'm sure Welch is in here, you know, also not too upset if he gets an L because he's obviously made it pretty clear that uh, I know we kind of talked about saying, yeah, I'm sure he still wants to win a couple of games because, you know, he's been rebuilding for a little bit. Although that's true. I think for big picture, I think he really did commit to collecting some L's this year. And so um, he really isn't looking at this game be like, oh my goodness, I have to beat Steve. Very similarly to um, how we already prefaced this before, he's just kind of looking at his young guys, his holy trinity of Trevor Lawrence and uh, Bryce Hall that you've already mentioned, even Bryce Young and yeah, let's throw Devonta Smith in there. Uh, just making sure that they develop and keep playing well. I feel that's definitely the storyline, but for the most part, it's definitely Steve and the health of his team. How about you, Brian? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually think this game will be closer maybe than the projection show. Uh, Jacksonville has a great matchup against the Texans. Uh, they just let Anthony Richardson shred them uh, before he came out. Gardner Minshew came in and shredded them, put up a ton of points on the Texans defense. So I think you're going to see a bounce back from Lawrence and Ridley. And the Jets just saw what the Dolphins did on the ground against that Patriots defense. It's at home. Uh, I think, not that I have a lot of faith in Nathaniel Hackett, but I have faith in Robert Sala. I think they're going to get Brees Hall in that run game more involved. So I do think that Welch is going to put up some points this week. Uh, overall, it's still, uh, obviously, Steve has the better team. The production dip of Aaron Jones, whether he plays, and even if he does play what he looks like, uh, is definitely something to monitor. So you're right, kind of still in that health thing. And I think Steve, more than anything, probably just is crossing his fingers that nobody else gets hurt, right? If he comes out of this <laughs> with, with everybody's, that is currently healthy, still healthy, then I think he'll consider it a win. So I am going to pick Steve officially, but I have a feeling it's going to be another one of those tight matchups like we saw from this week. Yeah, could not agree more. Man, that's why I love fantasy. It's so unpredictable, and you never know how it's going to go. So let's jump into the next matchup. By the we'll way, talk... uh, Mahomes playing the Bears. <laughs> Ooh. That's going to be, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be the first time this year the Chiefs offense has just looked fantastic, just throwing that out there. I, oh my goodness. Yeah. Looking at that matchup now, especially how the first two weeks went, I'm sure they left a lot of points on that field that they would like to have put up. So, oh, sorry. It looks like, uh, poor old Welch is going to be in an uphill battle then <laughs> right off the bat. Yep. So the next game is going to be the Wichita whirlwind versus the Boulder bears. And so Jeff takes on good old Tanish and this game is going to be razor close at least that's what the projections say so uh for the record uh, i'm gonna put my chips over to jeff right now i have a good feeling he's just been i don't know the points that he's been able to put up how explosive he's been looking i don't know i have a lot of faith in his teams to be able to come out with it especially because we don't know what joe burrow you even said if it's speaking on the record you said that uh joe burrow you think he's not gonna play and i trust you more than me so if you're saying that um going in without 
Oh, oh, he does have Zach Wilson. All right. Yeah. So he, if he has to start Zach Wilson, yeah, I'm 100% going to go Jeff. Even with Joe yeah. Burrow, even if he does play, I'm still going to even side with Jeff just because his team has been so explosive. And there's been times where, you know, everything hasn't quite hit right for Jeff. Like he'll have some players go off and other people really underperform. So if he just has that one week where everyone, they don't even all have to go off. If everyone just kind of does what they're expected to do. This team could really light up that scoreboard. And uh, this team, if they're able to go two and one, they are, once again, like I said, sitting very comfortably and cementing themselves some more and more into that playoff race. So with that being said, what, what are some additional storylines and things that you're looking at in this matchup, right? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If you look at Tanish's team, Burrow, even if he does play, we've seen how he's playing, and he re-aggravated that calf at the end of the game. So we haven't even seen him with the re-aggravated calf. So either he sits, in which case Tanish is really screwed, or he plays and he is compromised. Then you look at James Conner going up against the Cowboys. Uh, you know, there's a chance that the Cardinals will score no points against that just devastating Dallas defense. Um, Mostert, I actually think is is... is I'm glad. I'm sure he's glad he traded him for me. That is really looking good in that Dolphins offense. But mm -hmm. uh, St. Brown, that turf toe, Ayuk is probably not going to play since this is a short week Thursday night mm -hmm. game. There's just a lot of these matchups up and down. Uh, Kendrick Bourne going up against the Jets defense. So I just don't see kind of that path for Tanish in this scenario. On the other side of it, you've got uh, Tua going up against the Broncos defense that was just like shredded by Sam Howell. Um, Stevenson, I think he'll get his pieces. Uh, Higgins, yeah, big question mark, but uh, Higgins is going to get passes no matter who's playing quarterback. So even if Burrow sits, Higgins is still going to get targets. Keenan Allen gets to go up against the Vikings, who uh, quietly have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL right now. Uh, Christian Watson, if I had to predict, is probably going to play this week. I think he'll see his uh, debut for his season two. So there's just, if you look up and down the board, uh, it's just lining up a lot better than Jeff. So I'm going to pick Jeff to win uh, and fairly comfortably. Yeah. Wow. Fairly comfortably. That is going to be uh, definitely exciting to watch. And after you kind of laid out so eloquently on, you know, all the tough matchups that Tanish has, I can't kind of help but agree with you, which kind of stinks because I know the other co-hosts, they put in their predictions. So I'm hoping I might actually reach out to them and make sure that they put in their predictions before they listen to this, because I feel like you have some strong sway over here, McFaddy. But <laughs> let's jump into the next matchup. And we're talking about uh, Michael and the California Earthquakes taking on your disrespected partner, the Dubrovnik Dragons, who are seeking their first win. And you know what? I think they're going to pick it up here. I know right now uh, in the projections, they're favored very heavily. And, um, I, and I know we bring up projections a lot saying how I hate it here, but this point, I definitely agree with it just because um, I definitely think that Michael's going to be able to piece together maybe another, uh, you know, maybe steal the magic dust that Brett once had and sprinkle on his roster. Hey, maybe this could be the week that, uh, you know, Samaja Pirine goes off, Roshan Johnson puts it together, Tutu Awa continues, blah, blah, blah. Like, we can make up that narrative, right? But for me, I think this is where... um everything starts to average out a little bit for Brett, his team. If it continues to play uh, like it did the past two weeks, he should definitely pick up this win pretty comfortably uh, would be my guess. But uh, what are your thoughts here, McFaddy? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think this is uh, Brett's happy. Brett's happy that he's playing Michael. I'm not about to say that it's a surefire victory because I literally just lost uh, to Michael. Um, <laughs> you know, you could see a little bit of a shootout in that Houston Jacksonville game. I think we've, mm -hmm. we've seen that Houston is able to move the ball uh, on the other side of it though. Cousins going up against the chargers and the chargers just made Ryan Tannehill look like a, 
rejuvenated quarterback again. And we all know that he got, they got shredded by almost five for almost 500 yards against two in week one. So big question marks about that. Uh, David Montgomery though, uh, thigh injury. Is he going to play? Even if he is, I think he is going to be uh, uh, not, they're going to manage his, his runs. They're going to get Gibbs more involved. They just signed uh, Zonovan Knight, who I'm actually, you know, quietly kind of a big fan of. I liked him coming out of NC state. I liked him when he got to play for the jets. Uh, he was on the practice squad. He's on the active roster. Uh, Justice Hill, I think the you're going to see the Ravens use less and less. Uh, Edwards has been far and away the more efficient runner, so I think you'll see less touches for Hill. Like, I'm making a case here, but at the end of the day, you got Michael Pittman going up against Westbrook Akine. You got Mike Evans going up against an Eagles secondary that has had some vulnerabilities. Uh, and then uh, Tutu Atwell on the other side, who is who has been great, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I think Brett wins. You know, I, I think the California magic is 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 going to be hard to duplicate two weeks in a row. Hey, Brett C., chin up, man. I feel like you wouldn't want the story written any other way, starting 0-2 and, and have to claw your way back into the playoff picture. And I'm being so dramatic saying playoff picture because starting 0-2 is definitely not a death sentence. But, Brian, I think you would agree with me. The fantasy season is a lot shorter than we always think, right? Because I'm always saying, oh, it's still early, it's still early. But there's only just a handful of weeks so each victory counts, especially when only um, six teams make into the playoffs, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see how close the margins are going to be this upcoming season. But I think Brett is going to definitely feel pretty comfortable going uh, one and two. So on the spot right now, you think Brett's going to be able to piece together a strong enough season to sneak into the playoffs? Uh, well, I hate to say it, but my preseason predictions had Brett missing the playoffs, like right at that seventh seed. Uh, and the fact that he started 0 and 2, uh, it doesn't help Not him losing to somebody like me who's going to be competing for those spots. Um, yeah, so sorry to say, Brett, I'm not even sure I'm going to make the playoffs at this point, but I think, uh, the, the two of us are going to have a tough time getting in. Man, can Brian be any nicer? Like, I feel like I could have said <laughs> that word for word the way you said it, and it's still. It still wouldn't sound as genuine and nice, but that's why I have you here to take the edge off. But now I know I didn't discuss this with you, but what I believe to be the game of the week. And yeah, it's a clear it's a clear game of the week. It, it, that's a no brainer. Uh, yeah, I was I was going to put maybe Jeff and Tanish, but uh, I don't know. This this one has I mean, it's one Without team Burrow, that's, it's hard. It's hard to put Tan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a big hit. This is such yeah. a QB heavy league. So sorry. Tanish. Agree. Maybe, maybe you could have been in contention if Burrow was was healthy. But yeah, Carolina versus uh, Southern Oregon, the clear game of the week. Brian, let's give this one some special notes because this is the game of the week. I just got the 10 minute warning. I don't think we're going to take all 10 minutes on just this game anyway, but I've been doing all of the dressing of all of the storylines and things like that. And as you know, for the game of the week, we take a different approach where the guest kind of breaks down the quarterback rooms, the running back rooms, the wide receiver rooms, and then the flexes to kind of see um, who might have the ultimate edge. And then ultimately you declare who you believe the winner is. So just kind of teeing you up here and then throwing you the ball saying, all right, let's dive into the game of the week. And just something's off the top. Like I said, Mike and the Southern Oregon Smoke undefeated 2-0, taking down Max's past week in that infamous Oregon Bowl. And then, of course, good old Darren bouncing back last uh, week, or two weeks ago, I should say. Week one, he had the second highest scoring team but lost to Max. And then this past week, he was able to bounce back and get a victory. So I would say two pretty hot teams right now. So, Brian, let's break down the quarterback room. What does it look like? 
All right, so for Mike in the Southern Oregon Smoke, we got Josh Allen going up against Deshaun Watson. Clear advantage here. I think the projection of five-point differences is not enough. Uh, I think we, we we talked earlier on this show about uh, where Deshaun Watson is at. They're playing Tennessee, who has a pretty good pass rush. Secondary is a little iffy, uh, but as always, Browns are going to want to run the ball, and the fact that Watson has accuracy issues. Uh, and Josh Allen gets to play a, a Washington team who has a great pass rush, uh, but their secondary just got shredded by Russell Wilson, so there's definitely some points to be had there. So clear advantage to Josh Allen. For QB2 position, uh, we've got Mac Jones for Mike, Matt Stafford for uh, Darren. Um, Mac Jones against even. that Jets defense, yeah, though. Jets defense, so I will give an advantage to Stafford there. Uh, Bengals defense has, has looked a little weak. I, I'm a big fan of Lou Anarumo. They did have a lot of turnover in that secondary that hasn't quite gelled yet. Uh, coming off a pretty good performance against the Niners. I kind of like Stafford. So I'm going to give the edge. So we'll say quarterback room is a push or a slight edge to Mike, just because I think the difference between Watson and uh, Josh Allen is huge. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, definitely put the edge there as well. What does the running back matchups look like? All right. We've got Najee Harris for Mike, who could be on his way to an RB2 oh. by the end of the season. I don't know if that's happening here. Luckily, he goes up against a, a bad Raiders defense. But the Raiders, the biggest weakness for the Raiders is uh, the secondary, although the run defense is pretty bad, too. James Cook just ran all over them. Uh, ETN going up against the Houston Texans, who uh, just let Zach Moss run all over them. So uh, <laughs> good matchups, but I'm going to give the edge to ETN there. Uh, I just think he's more explosive. And like I said, Najee is splitting a lot of time with Jalen Warren right now. Kenneth Walker for Mike uh, against uh, Jameer Gibbs for Darren Gibbs. I feel like they're, they're getting him more and more involved. He had a lot of targets this past game. The fact that Montgomery is banged up. I think we're going to see the most we've ever seen of Gibbs. Kenneth Walker, he scored touchdowns, but he hasn't been that efficient. Tommy, he actually hasn't looked all that great. I think he averaged less than four yards per carry, but he had two touchdowns that saved him. It's very hard to rely on touchdowns week to week in fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm sticking a clear advantage Darren here for both Gibbs and ETN in the running back room. You know, I actually completely agree with you. I thought I was going to go hot takey by saying that, but man, when you're as sharp as you are, Brian, you more once again, eloquently illustrated the reasons why I'm definitely signing with her. This by no means is trying to put any shade because would it really be a surprise if Najee Harris finally has that bounce back week and Ken Walker continues to be, um, you know, a little inefficient, but continues to find the end zone. Sure. But I think for all the reasons that you painted in the pictures of, you know, Montgomery kind of being banged up. So Gibbs getting a little bit more opportunity and ETN just going up against Houston. I, you know, I, I think I would uh, definitely side with the running back group as well. So what does the wide receiver group look like? All right. I'm going to group all these together. Um, so we've got Justin Jefferson, Puka Nakua, and George Pickens on the smoke side, CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson, and Debo Samuel on the thunder side. Uh, I think this swings the arrow a lot back in Mike's favor. Jefferson and Lamb, they're close, but Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the NFL, both NFL and fantasy. So uh, I think that's still an – it's not a huge advantage, but it's still an advantage there. Uh, Puka Nakua over Garrett Wilson. I'm choosing that not because of the talent thing, but because – Zach Wilson's still the quarterback of the Jets. I know Wilson <laughs> Zach Wilson handicap. But he only had like four targets. He just happened to take one of those targets 63 yards for a touchdown. I, I have a lot of shares of Garrett Wilson. I'm watching him closely. They're going up against the Patriots. Uh, he's clearing away their top weapon. We all know Belichick likes to take away the top weapon. Uh, and Nakua's getting like 20 targets a game. 
The Cincinnati Bengals, we talked about earlier that their <laughs> secondary has been a little uh, sus, as the kids say. So clear advantage to Nakua there. Uh, and I think George Pickens finally had uh, the big game I was expecting, and he gets to go up against the juicy Raiders secondary. Ooh. So I can see a bounce back for this Steelers offense, especially in the pass game. So I see a big game for Pickens. Uh, Samuel, they spread the ball around too much for Samuel to be counted on as an everyday guy. Um, he, he also tends to shred the Niners or, or I'm sorry, shred the Rams, which is why I, I had a feeling he'd do well this week, but I think you've still got Kittle. Even if I, doesn't play, uh, I'm still going to give the advantage to Pickens there. So clear advantage on all three of these for the Southern Oregon smoke in their wide receiver room. Yeah, I'm going to be short just to save some time, but I definitely agree with you. I have advantage over to Mike, mostly because Garrett Wilson's up against New England. Can you imagine Bill Belichick and how happy he is that he gets to play Zach Wilson? <laughs> like, he's oh, yeah. smiling here and be like, oh my God, I get to destroy this kid's confidence even more. So I'm not completely yep. eliminating Garrett Wilson because he could absolutely still be solid, but just the fact that it's Wilson versus Bill Belichick's defense, I am out. So um, we could be pretty quick with this one. What does the tight end matchup look like? You got uh, TJ Hawkinson for the Thunder going up against the Chargers. Evan Ingram for the Smoke going up against the Texans. Uh, I actually think this is a little bit of a wash. Ingram, I think, had seven or eight targets this past week. Uh, and Hawkinson, we already know, is already like a top three or four tight end. So I'm going to say this is like the first push. They're both going up against pretty juicy matchups as far as the defenses they're facing, the Chargers and the Texans. Uh, I do not see necessarily a clear, if I had to, if I was forced to make maybe the slightest tick to Darren at Hawkinson, because I just think he's a better tight end than Ingram, but I don't think it's a huge advantage. So I will say push slightly leaning to the thunder. For me, I definitely lean thunder because I envision the chargers and Vikings game to be a shootout. Like Herbert's going to put up some points. That's going to force Kirk to put up some points. And you know, Hawkinson's going to get all his targets that he always gets. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he walks away with like 11 targets and seven. Catches I think the Jags Texans game will be the same. Honestly, no, you, you're absolutely right. Very well could be, but um, maybe I'm just a little bit too confident over on that side. Uh, but finally, let's look at the flex matchups. He's got Kenneth Gainwell in, so obviously he's not going to be playing him this week. So let's see who he might put in. He there. would probably put Jahan Dotson would be my yeah. guess. Yeah, Dotson going up against the Bills. I don't know who else he would put in there unless he's feeling frisky with little Tajay Spears. Yeah, for right now, let's just say Dotson's in. Let's say Dotson. All right, so we've got Dotson. Going up against uh, DJ Moore, uh, I listen after week one. As bad as the Bears are, they realize that DJ Moore is a guy they got to get the ball to. So good. So uh, I think they at least know well enough to give DJ Moore some some opportunities. Oh, uh, you're doing you're making a mistake giving Chicago the benefit of the doubt. We do Fair that enough. too much. Yeah, you are right, but I, I, he's still the talent is there. You don't even have to make big decisions. Just get him the ball in the screen game. Just get him the ball on some short slants and some short digs and let him do the rest. They're going to be playing from behind from the start going up against the Chiefs. Uh, we're on the other side. Uh, Dotson going up against the Bills. They'll need to pass because they're from behind. I think the Bills will get out to a lead against the Commanders. But he's also number two. Term McLaurin don't mean is to cut you off, removed. but this is the one-minute warning. Less than one minute. All right, so I'm just going to pick. Uh, let's go DJ Moore. Carolina Thunder. Uh, other side, Waddle versus Robinson. That's a clear advantage to the smoke. Mm -hmm. uh, and we already talked about the tight end. So I am going to make my pick. I am going to pick the Southern Oregon smoke before we run out of time. You know, uh, I actually, based on all my picks, uh, should go Southern Oregon smoke as well. But when it's this close of a toss-up, I always got to go with my boy. So I'm going to pick Darren for this one and lock it in. But 
Brian, I wish I had more time to debrief and really express my gratitude and how much fun, fun this has been. It's been fun, Tommy. But before we get cut off, thank you so much. Until next time, guys, take care. All right, now that's a wrap for this episode of the PDL Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you guys on the next one.